0: Retain Podcast.
1: Hey there, Retain. Uh This is Jeff. Just wanted to take a quick minute and let you know that the annual conference for HireLogic called SuperForum is uh, is back and happening. It's October 19th through the 21st. Uh, it's a free and virtual event, and we wanted to make sure and spread the invite to all of you. It's uh, it's going to be chock full of stuff around community, customer success, customer experience really trying to help you all think about 2022 and make sure we can drive retention initiatives. So um, drop into the description of this episode and sign up. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. Today, we have a very special guest in Megan Bowen, who is the chief operating officer and chief customer officer at Refine Labs. So Megan, appreciate you hopping on and I'm excited. This is like a long time in the making. We We haven't recorded a podcast, right? I'm not thinking, or did we? I, I know you did some of the office too. hours, but
0: yeah, well, be- I feel like we spent a lot of time together in March, early April of 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic, when you all launched CS office hours, that was the beginning of gain, grow, retain. And so we had a lot of fun on some of those live sessions, but this might be the first like formal podcast episode you're okay. recording. So it's about time.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a long time in the making uh, big fan of what you and, uh, and Chris are doing over at refine Labs, So uh, i'm excited so before we jump in we like to ask a couple of icebreaker questions um and so you know just a quick how, how can we get to know you i'm not going to pull up any tiktok videos or anything um uh, maybe like you've been uh, you know privy to in the past but uh there's a couple of questions and my first one just comes from a conversation we were having just before the podcast started so i'm gonna have to ask like what's your daytime go-to snack you know what's uh-huh. like your if it's in your if it's in your pantry what are you going to grab out of the pantry, and uh, snacking out at your desk?
0: So my favorite go-to snack, it's very specific, um, a sliced honey crisp apple with some chunky peanut butter to dip it in. So I hope that that exceeded your expectations.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It it actually matched mine. It matched my expectations. I knew it was going to be something healthy for some reason. (laughs) I was going to say mine.
1: My go-to are uh, goldfish, popcorn, or you know, like a, a trail mix. So you've definitely uh, got mine right out of the way. You know, got got me beat on the health health factor there. Um, all right, second question. This is one I've been doing since the beginning. I can't retire it. I've tried to, but I've always asked, um, "What's your favorite fruit?" My
0: favorite fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in a, well, since I already mentioned the apple, I'll give you another another fruit. So um, I would say because Honey Crisp apples, I probably eat like one a day. Um, I recently discovered, I love grapes and I recently discovered cotton candy grapes.
1: Oh, I've seen those. Um,
0: have you eaten those? It's basically like candy, uh, but you feel good about yourself while you eat them.
1: <laughs> I've seen those. That's the, that's a first I've been asking that question probably for like 50 or 60 episodes. That's a first, the cotton and candy grapes
0: pro tip freeze your grapes and then it's I, like frozen dessert. When you enjoy them.
1: <laughs> I just saw that recently. That's a good, I like that. It's a good tip. All right. Uh, to round out our round out our, uh, quick, get to know you the, um, last question. This is actually from Jay. This is one that he found recently and I've been asking it and I've really liked it. So if you were going to go on to jeopardy as a contestant, customer success can't be, you know, it can't be the, the choice, but like, what category are you going to dominate on jeopardy? Like, what are you going to know all of it? Doesn't have to be one that exists. You can kind of create your own category, but like, what are you going to dominate if you were on Jeopardy?
0: Um, cooking food topics. Um, I fancy myself like a a great home chef. My life plan B is to become a food network star. Um, (laughs) and so I spend a lot of time thinking about food, making food, cooking. And so, you know, cooking for 1000 Alex or new host.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I like, I like the, uh, I like that. I don't know. Jay, have you ever, have you answered what's what, is your topic that you would crush on Jeopardy?
2: Oh man, um, I don't know. I I think it probably would have something to do with like music, maybe even '90s music, '80s music, '70s music, or guitars. So, but, but I'm not like an encyclopedia of knowledge on that stuff either. I just really like it, so yeah. I might think I know more than I do. Probably. I think mine would.
1: My the only thing I feel like I know to, like to a T would probably just be some sports knowledge, especially oh, I like you golf. Yeah. That's what I I said that earlier to my team. I asked this question on my team. Um, we had a team meeting this morning, so I do an icebreaker where we go around, there's about six or seven team members and we were answering that. So I did say golf earlier. I said anything golf related from like the tiger woods era, like 2000 to like 2020, like I could probably, probably knock it out of the park. He he knows golf to a T. Yep. Uh, perfect. Well, we wanted, (laughs) That's a good pun. That's a good pun. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, well, we oh, wanted get to get you on here, Megan, for a multitude of reasons, but one of the inspirations was a recent post you had on LinkedIn. And before we even dive into what that post was, I was curious, can you give the people a little bit of what you want or a little bit of um, how, what's your process for for writing content? Like how do you, for you know, for your kind of growth that we've seen on, on LinkedIn and your consistency, like what have you found to be some of the key successes for you to kind of get A thought down on paper and then kind of get it refined that you can put it out uh via linkedin so i'm curious about that first and then we'll jump into the post
0: yeah great question um so uh people ask me this a lot and i always like to tell people um don't underestimate how much knowledge you have the things that feel obvious to you are usually not obvious to most other people and so Um, really I kind of have this like running document of different ideas that I, that I keep so that when I'm sitting down in the morning and want to write a post, I already have a lot of different ideas I can look through and typically one will call my name and I'll write out a post and really those ideas are generated by me living my life like going day to day right people ask me questions different challenges come up you know at work um I have different experiences with customers that inspire um you know a a thought track that I'll that I'll follow and so um I think you just have to be kind of paying attention um for me a big prompt is questions whenever anyone gives me a question I'm like mmm other people probably have this question. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this on my idea sheet and see if it, uh, it inspires me to, to write a longer post about another day.
1: I like that. I love your, the, the point you made too, just about how your experiences are, you know, you've had your experiences and you've got something to offer uh, because not everyone has the same experiences. And so there's like this inherent idea that you have something to share that's valuable. The other reason I like that you said that is also, it's something to preach to customer success teams. Like I think A lot of times you might hear, and maybe it's even just more uh, broadly, you know, teams that are customer facing. Like, I think you've got a lot of experts, right? Product experts, people who've been in the industry for a long time. And um, that kind of works as a double edged sword, right? When you've got experience, it's a good thing because you can go uh, show that depth, you can really drive value. But then it's also, I think, like you were saying, I think the flip side of that or the double edged sword of it is like sometimes it can be uh, something where you don't realize that sometimes the simplest thing can really help customers and um, that you take that for granted. And so I think um, that's that's something that I've been thinking about quite a bit recently is that, uh, you know, don't take for granted because your customers at the end of the day are just trying to save an hour here or there. Maybe they're just looking for that one little tip that's going to get them to the weekend earlier. And those things can be powerful when you're building relationships. So um, I like that. Yeah,
2: the, totally
1: all right. So the post that we wanted to, to look at were your, uh, your 10 customer commandments, which Uh, I think one thing that I've just appreciated about looking at your your LinkedIn content recently is you typically brand things. You have lists and you brand them um, and that just leaves a memorable moment. So that's why like, I saw it and I was like, we have to talk about this. So um, let's go. Let's just each read one after the other. So I'll read the first one and then Jay, you read the second. Megan, you read the third. So we'll just read the the 10 commandments and then we're going to come back and pick out which ones are our favorite. So Uh, First commandment that you wrote was the customer has the power, respect this, and adapt your process to fit their needs.
2: Number two is the customer is not always right. It's okay to set boundaries and push back.
0: Number three, the customer's perception is their reality. Ensure you understand their perception.
1: Number four, the customer is probably not telling you everything. It's your job to make them feel comfortable being honest.
2: Number five, the customer will leave at some point and that's okay. Nothing is forever.
0: Number six, the customer's expectations will evolve. Stay connected to their changing needs.
2: Number
1: seven, the customer wants the relationship to work. Make it easy for them.
2: Number eight, the customer will forgive mistakes. In my reading, only if you are accountable and take responsibility. Number
0: nine, the customer decided to engage to drive an outcome. Don't lose focus on driving the desired result.
1: And number 10, last but not least, the customer is just another person. Apply the golden rule. I think these are so nicely written, succinct. I think you also put, you know, just some key words that that really resonate with me in there. So I think what we wanted to do today was just go through and try and dive deeper on some of these, talk about maybe how you came up with some of these, what shaped those experiences. We've probably got examples we might be able to bring to the table. So uh, maybe Megan, let's kick it off with you. And, you know, the, the guests on the show, what's, what's the, maybe the one out of the, these 10 that sticks out for you most?
0: Um, I'll go ahead and latch on to number one. And so I think, um, you know, to provide some additional context on this one, um, especially in teaming up with Chris last year and joining Refine Labs. Through my own experience, you know, building and running customer success teams, um, and as we think about building our company and and really, you know, our whole offering is helping our customers get more customers. um, It's really acknowledging how different things have become, um, especially when you compare, you know, a decade ago, 10 to 20 years ago to today, um, there's been a massive power shift from companies and sellers to the buyer and to the customer, um, and as customer success professionals, I'm sure we can appreciate that shift because I think what comes with it is a much deeper respect for the customer and the teams that that support them. And I think that um, you know one of the things that I experienced um, kind of growing up in the startup scene and being at five different B two B SaaS companies, all you know in customer success or leadership functions was really witnessing how how easy it was for companies to make decisions that were in the best interest of the company um, or what the company was trying to achieve versus their their team, their customer um, and making decisions that um, maybe were not fully rooted in reality, right debating theories and hypotheticals in a conference room but not, actually embracing what's happening in real life and having that inform the strategy and the decision-making. And so, um, you know, and, and in my personal success, I think I credit a lot of my ability to turn around teams and drive business results to the fact that I brought a customer success mindset to everything that I did when I was first COO and was managing marketing, sales, success, operations, I thought about the customer through all of those functions, right? And um, that drove strategy and decision-making. Um, and again, like the second one is the customer isn't always right, but like at the end of the day, you have to acknowledge reality. You have to spend time where your customers are. You need to really understand them. If you have any desire to build you know, a scalable, sustainable, successful business that is actually driving results that matter for your customers. And so, you know, this applies to how you should think about marketing, sales, customer success. Um, Actually, this new thing I've been talking about recently, I'm kind of calling it like go-to-market 3.0. I think there's a really interesting evolution that go-to-market teams might experience like a prediction that I have is really thinking about awareness as the mark, marketing's primary function to get that buyer 80 to 90% through a sales cycle and then thinking about acquisition, retention, advocacy, you know, outcomes as then converting them and staying with them for the long term, right? And it's not and I'm not cutting out sales, sales matters, but it's just rethinking like over segmentation and really what is what are we really trying to do um and at refine labs i do a lot of selling for us and it's been interesting how um like if you sell as a customer success person how it can really improve the lifetime value of that customer and the expectations and the retention and so um I could go on and on, but I'll, I'll pause there to kind of get some of your thoughts or or see if you have a follow-up question or if I can dig into any of that deeper for you.
2: I'll, I'll jump in with a, with a question. What's interesting is, and I know you jumped to the second one, but I'll pick on that one too, because so the customer's not always right, but their perception is right to them, right? And what they believe is right. So what we have to do is figure out what's going on in their minds. How do they see the world, right? Which is it's it's what customer success teams I think are accustomed to doing but more and more you see people like Chris and you you all at Refine Labs and Dave Gerhardt and Gary B talking about this idea of of you know giving before you receive and understanding what's valuable to them before you ask for things in return but what so I I went through um I'll just summarize I, I was in product at one point in my career. And one of the mantras that we had is that, that there are no answers inside this building. Right. I think we, to you, you made the point, like a lot of times we're making decisions based on what we think is good for the business, which is like a doubly bad thing, right? What we think and what is good for the business alone, but what, how's that going to land on the customer? What does it mean? So just talk about it for, from that perspective, how do you figure out, like, how do you go outside of the walls of Refine Labs or any other company that you've worked with, and and try to really understand what their perception is and what their needs are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. The simple answer is just talk to customers directly. Um, I think uh, ask open-ended, unbiased questions. You know, to really understand their context. Um, your questions should start not about what they think about your product or service or trying to immediately dig into you know, the, the specific pain points that your product addresses, but more about what is this person dealing with? What is their day-to-day like? What are their goals? What are their challenges? Um, what are the things that matter to them? What are they trying to achieve? What is, what is not working today in the way that they wish it was working, right? I think people skip over that step. They make assumptions that their customer, of course, is gonna want their product. They think their product is amazing and everyone's gonna want it um, and, and not do that, that particular homework. I think the other piece of it is knowing that even if you have a lot of those conversations, you're not gonna have it all figured out right away. So you need to, you need to start by having those conversations to formulate a hypothesis and stay close to the market. In every leadership position I had, I I don't think I've ever gone more than a week where I didn't speak with an actual customer, yep. regardless of my role or my position, because I understand the the power of staying connected. Um, and so it's not a it's not like a one time market research project that you can then check the box. It's respecting um, how important that is and making it a priority to stay connected on an ongoing basis. One of my other ones talks about evolving needs, right? Because that's the other uh, it's the other fun part of customer success is that um, you could, you know, nail your original promise to the customer, deliver exactly, you know, what they wanted when they bought. Uh, but then the next year, they have a different problem. <laughs> and that's if you right. can't help yeah. them solve that problem, then maybe the relationship won't stand the test of time. So um so I say customer success is one of the one of the hardest functions in the company
1: <laughs> it really is yeah the yeah, the, I think the thing that stands out too when you were just talking through you know staying close to the connect staying, staying close to the customer staying connected is it's it's easier than ever to do that, right? there are so many avenues I mean I think i'm I'm you know, in your court megan where I try to talk to customers as as much as possible and I like to get on the phone so that I can, hear it directly so that I can ask specific questions and whatnot. But think about the other channels that you have available that um, you can tap into if you don't have that type of time, right? You can go listen to Gong Calls and um, and get into there and, you know, you can listen to it on two speed. You can go look for listen, listen for certain keywords and only listen to snippets. You can, I mean, think about that, how that can really change the game, especially if you set aside time to do that type of thing. Another is communities, right? You can go into communities now that are open and free. You can go listen, hear what your... Uh, quote unquote, ideal customer profile. Like what are they talking about? Right? Hey, I mean, gain, grow, retain, there are 6,000 customer success leaders. And, you know, one of the things that um, maybe has always irked me uh, in, in Jay, since the beginning is, is people always coming and and trying to um, maybe trying to take without giving. Right. But you can, I mean, technically you can take without give, you can just come in and just read the comments. You can read all the discussions. You can read all the stuff that's happening. Um, And so, I just think like taking advantage of those scenarios are such easy ways that, um, you don't have to uproot, you know, things that you're already doing. You don't have to go change a big process. It's just, Hey, can I insert 10 to 15 minutes of my day to go do these types of things and set aside the time? Um, uh, and I'll tell you what, I think it's right now an underrated activity. Um, one of the the things that we're trying to do right now, which, and the reason why I say it's underrated is, um. Think about the types of content you can generate and the type of value you can generate if you're really listening to your customer to to build something of value rather than listening to respond, right? A lot of times you're listening to, hey, no, our product can do that. Hey, no, you know, hey, this can happen. Hey, you can do this. Why don't we just listen to intake and then start looking at, hey, do we have a tool or template that we could send them that would be really valuable for what they were talking about? Um, like how can we start to get that into a mechanism of creating content, which I think is going to be really valuable to teams, especially as you start to think about customer success as a, um, as a, as an actual scaled function, you know, I think a lot of times in the past that was just like, Hey, we automate some emails here and there, you know, but now we're starting to get tooling and technology where you can create a totally digital customer success experience. And that's going to be predicated on, do we have the right amount of content to deliver at the right times at the right moment for customers? So that just resonated a lot with me when you're talking about, you know, the customer has the power, uh, going back to your first point, but I think listening, staying connected to them really has, um, influence over what you're doing in the future because the content you can create and the value that you can generate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite, Jeff, if you were going to pick one of these that that st- stood out to you, I know it's hard because they're all good.
1: They are <laughs> Hey, I, I appreciate that confidence because they, they definitely are all good. Um, the, the one that resonates a lot with me is number four. So the customer is probably not telling you everything. It's your job to make them feel comfortable being honest. Um, did I steal yours, Jay?
2: You did. It's okay. Yeah. I got a story I'll share. But um, So
1: I think for me, that just becomes, um, becomes more and more important because of what we just talked about, right? I think sitting in on customer calls and trying to build authentic relationships is a lot harder then I think it, it um, needs to be or tends to be. And I think part of that is just trying to create the right openness um, on those types of calls, trying to create the right relationship, trying to make sure that it's okay to share uh, both positive and negative feedback. And I think the other thing that comes to mind a lot is um, if you start to show customers with action that you're actually listening to them, then I think that more and more honesty comes after that. Like, I think more and more, they start to feel more comfortable because they're saying, okay, if I share this, it's coming from a good place. They're actually going to do something or address it or talk about it. So one example that we've done recently that just maybe hits the nail on the head for me is, um, you know, you typically respond to an NPS survey and the you know, the automated message comes from your CSM and says, thanks for responding. Hey, I, you know, I saw this happened. Like, let me reach out to you and we'll schedule yada, yada, yada. Um, but one thing that we tried last quarter and we're going to um, continue to do this is uh, we actually sat down and we looked at what are some of the major themes that came out of the NPS responses for the last, you know, 30, 60, 90 days. Um, what are they aligned to in the business? And do we have active projects against them? And then if we do, we wrote like a, you know, we wrote kind of a, a page, but then we actually just had Jay sit down in front of our camera and we had Jay kind of openly talk and say, Hey, we want you to know that we actually read this. We actually listen to this. This isn't just going into a black box and we want to show you how this aligns to priorities and projects that we're working on as a business, because we want you to know that we're listening because at the end of the day, like, you know, we're only as good as our customers. And so to me, it's, I don't think it's going to be revolutionary. I don't think we're going to say, Hey, our NPS, you know, response rates going to go from 25 to hundred because we're doing those types of things. But I think over time, that's how you start to show customers through an action. Hey, we're listening. We're intaking that information and we're going to do something with it. So that's just one that stuck out to me and something that I think, we try and exude when we get on customer calls is is trying to create an openness like that um, with customers.
0: Yeah. And I think the the interesting one with this is I find that it's really easy to fall into check-ins or conversations with clients where, you know, how are things going? Um, Where it's just easy for them to say, everything's fine when, even when everything is not fine. The reality is, is Most people don't like confrontation or conflict. Most people don't want to give you bad news. Like customers have so much going on and they're like, oh, I don't want to like raise this issue. Like, because I just have other things I'm thinking about. And so I, another, I love the tactic that you described. And I think another thing that I try to do is I try to frame all my questions to make it really easy for them to give me constructive feedback. And so one of my favorites is, hey, if there was one thing that we could have done differently up until this point, what would that thing be? Um, And then they're like, hmm, all right, well, if I have to pick one thing, I think this is it. And then you get some interesting, you know, tidbits of information that way. And so I try to think about um, anytime I'm having a meeting with a customer, writing an email, what is some type of specific question that I can ask that just makes it really easy for them to answer and not feel that it's becoming some type of uh, you know confrontational conversation? So that tactic alone has been helpful. Um, and then I think also directness. So very often, if I feel like something is off and I'm not getting a, I don't feel like I'm getting a straight answer. I just call it out and I'll say, Hey, something doesn't feel aligned. Something is off. Um, I can't quite figure out what it is. Do you agree? And can you give me any insight into, you know, where we might be missing the mark so we can course correct? I think if you're, you know, honest and bold, people will usually, um, open up and talk with you at that point. So those are a couple of very specific questions or prompts that I'll use that can um, really, like, you're essentially, like, giving them the floor
2: to to share any constructive criticism. Even if you think things are okay. Actually, maybe a more dangerous situation is if, <laughs> like, <clears throat> oh, everything's fine. Everything's great. It's awesome, right? I mean, it's, it's usually not. I mean, this is not a perfect world we live in, and certainly the software we build is not perfect, and the way it integrates into the environments that our customers have is not perfect either. So we, we um, had an interesting situation come up the other day relative to this where we lost a customer. And when we went back and sort of did the analysis on it, the, we, we, we found that the person that our, our main point of contact there wasn't allowed to talk to us about the fact that they had already selected another vendor right? Mm-hmm. So this is the ultimate version of what you wrote and that the customer is probably not telling you everything. <laughs> they certainly weren't. So um, I like the technique, but I, I think that, that you outlined, and I think it's also important to use that technique up and down, right? Mm-hmm. And try to get to different people within the org. So if you're, if you're the single person connected at an organization, then you're at risk. Even And if you're not having conversations with, with people who control the purse strings are the key users, you know, are the champions internally, then you, there's probably more risk than you're letting on. So that sort of could inform how you set up your risk model and however you track your customers, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have those relationships. Just go ahead and assume everything's not okay. So that's that's a, a mantra that I've sort of taken on over the years. It's pessimistic, but, you know.
0: Yeah, it's spot yeah. on. It's a great example. And I feel like every CS professional has has a version of that story that they would yeah. be able to tell. What about you, Jay? I know Jeff stole your. Jeff stole
2: mine. So, yeah. Backup. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did have a backup. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, yeah. The customer will forgive mistakes um, only if you're accountable and take responsibility. And I would say, especially if you're accountable and take responsibility, right? I mean, it's just basic human psychology at play because of number ten that you wrote, which is the customer is just another person. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you if we're more in, the, by the way, th- this is so much deeper than just a customer relationship. Um, but if we're if we're willing to be vulnerable and admit that we that we've not done everything correctly, then customers are usually the first ones to jump in and say, well, yeah, you didn't, but Hey, these other things are going well. Right. So let's just get it back on track and let's go. It's more about awareness. Right. If, if you don't admit it, you know, you had a support issue and your, your team didn't respond for three days or we didn't keep in close communication during an outage or, you know, whatever the situation may be. If you, if you didn't, if you don't admit that you, or at fault, then you may not be aware that you have a problem, which is a big problem for me as a buyer, right? These people just don't know what they're talking about. Same with your your team members. Same with your partner in life, right? So this is this goes well beyond your customer relationships. But um, I like that one. What what made you what made you write that one, Megan, if you can recall?
0: Yeah, and I think one of the um one of the things that I've experienced multiple times in my career is I actually have built some of the you know best customer relationships yeah. as a result of having a particularly bad moment that we had to overcome. And so I think there's something to be said for if you're able to work through a really difficult or challenging moment or obstacle with another human, it creates a sense of um, experience or history or bonding that can actually strengthen the relationship, right? I guess like the cliche, of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so um, it's funny, even like recently, I, um, I approached um, a conversation with a customer about kind of expanding our partnership and, and upselling to a different level of service Um, and essentially my initial, um, approach to broach the conversation, like I mishandled it. Um, and even me who has been doing this for years and years and years, um, I had a lot going on. I kind of skipped some steps and I was like, I like, I think this is just going to be fine. Like, let's just make this happen. And I clearly ruffled some feathers and upset them. Right. Um, and then when I realized I did that, I was just like, okay, stop. And I said, you know what? uh, I tried to rush through this. I messed up. I apologize. This is what I feel like I did wrong. If I could have, if I could go back and do it over again, this is what I would have done instead. Um, and I just want to make sure that at the end of the day, I don't even care about this upsell anymore. I just want to make sure that you understand that I'm taking responsibility for the mistakes that I made. and, And ultimately our partnership is what matters the most, not you buying this extra stuff, right? right. Um, and it was um, amazing how after I was able to just admit that and you kind of alluded to this, it's, hey, you know what? It's okay. Like we're, we're human. Like I, you know, I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I, I agree, but like it's really big of you to just own that and apologize and I accept your apology. Um, you know, and 10 days later, I get the signed contract for the upsell. Um, yep. and like that, again, that wasn't the ultimate goal, but like now we have a, like, and he's even, uh, been teasing me about it a little bit, like how I'm going to like <laughs> <be> <laughs> aggressive with the next upsell or something like that. And so we've moved past it. They're happy. They're getting what they want, you know, and I think because of how I handled it. We were able to move past it. Um, You know, I let, I I take the teasing, I deserve it. Um, But it's kind of fun now. We have this like, you know, improved relationship. Um, And I love it when you can kind of joke around and like have a laugh with a customer. I feel like that means you've gotten the relationship to a certain point where there's a lot of comfort and trust.
2: The time in history, someone's asked someone to be more aggressive in sales. (laughs) (laughs) The, um,
1: the other thing that sticks out to that too. And, uh, something that I think about quite a bit as well is also, um, understanding who should take accountability and responsibility for what happens, you know, like sometimes I think we have a tendency to, I think in situations, right. It's kind of like, Hey, I'm the, I'm the chief customer officer. I'm the CEO. I'm the, Hey, the buck stops with me. Right. I should, I should be the one who's jumping in to solve the problems, but like sometimes the customer doesn't really want or need that. Right. They just want the they want the apology from like their day-to-day contact and they want to just want to figure out, Hey, what's the next step that's going to happen? Like, how are we going to, like, how do we move forward in this? Mm -hmm. And so I think also just trying to understand like, where is the customer? Um, What's their expectation, right? Is it, and where's the severity of of kind of the mistake we have is the severity to a point where we do, who do we need to get involved in order to take accountability and responsibility? Um, And where's the message need to come come from and where's it need to be received? Like, I think you know, like you said, like, I think your, your example was very direct because it was like, you're, you know, you're, you're doing, but I also think sometimes, right. We're in scenarios with customers where, Hey, it, you know, the, the, product didn't perform it, it did X, Y, and Z. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm the customer success manager and it's, you know, I'm, I'm representing the company and the product is representing the, you know, the service that we're delivering. And so it's like, okay, how do I rectify this? Right. How do I make sure that the customer is, is feeling heard, is feeling addressed? Hey, this mistake happened. Um, how can I go internally to make sure I've got, you know, the right kind of message coming back? And then who do we need for that message to come from? I think it just becomes a, a big part of that accountability and responsibility. Um, and I just don't, I think sometimes there's not a lot of stock that people put into that, right? I think it's just kind of, sometimes you're generic, Hey, I'm going to go get my chief customer officer. Hey, I'm going to go get my CEO because I think that's what you want. When really, I think you can also ask that question too, right? Like, Hey, who, who would you like to hear from in order for, to make this, you know, go like move forward. I, I'm gonna go figure out the right next steps. Like here is X, Y, and Z, but like who else do you feel like you need to talk to? Like, I think even asking that question sometimes can alleviate some of the pressure in the room.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I'm gonna sneak in one last one um, I like it. That I want to hit on before we, we wrap up our, our recording today. Um, and that's number five. The customer will leave at some point. That's okay. Nothing is forever.
2: No, it's not. And it's not
0: okay. <laughs> I um I believe that um, how you break up with a client or how you offboard a client, how you transition a client away from your product or services is just as important as how you onboard them. And I think that, you know, having a sense that no one will ever churn and people are always going to need what you're providing, um, it's just not realistic. And I think that. Um, one of my mantras in life is um, everything needs to be a win win, right? Like this needs to be working for everybody involved. And if at some point that stops happening, a re evaluation of the relationship needs to happen, right? Sometimes it's a matter of realigning what's needed and just, you know, renegotiating the terms of the partnership. But sometimes that means that it's not a fit anymore. And so I feel like people are, Really afraid to navigate those conversations. I feel like people are not proactive about calling out that things might be misaligned early and they just kind of wait for the client to break up with them, right? I'm a big believer when you feel like something is off or it's win lose, it's not win win anymore, bring it up early and try to course correct if you can't, if you can. And then if you can't, know, work on an exit plan together so that no one's surprised you're doing it in a way that's going to be, you know, easy for both sides to absorb and move on. Um, I think it's easy to think that, you know, this goes to relationships too, in many ways. Like, I think, you know, we all have people that come in and out of our lives, like, and like, that's okay. And I think not being afraid to address and acknowledge those things, is, is important. And I can't tell you how many times I've had good breakups with customers where they've referred new business. Um, they've become a customer in a different context. Um, we've stayed connected in different ways. And so um, I feel like how you show up in those types of uh, scenarios is, is really important and um, it's uncomfortable. And so I think a lot of people tend to try to avoid those situations. I like to encourage
2: people to lean in. Well, one of the things about being in this business is that the, obviously retaining customers and growing them is key, right? And that's the ultimate win for a SaaS company. I won't even say customer success, for, but any company in general. But the next best thing is to know well in advance when it's not gonna work out so you can forecast it and help the business understand what's happening, mm-hmm. right? And, in, and then in the best case scenario there, and I've had this happen once really notably at a company I worked at like two or three companies ago, but had a customer cancel, gave them the white glove service out the door. They we were a great customer for us for years. And I, we told them on the way out, look, you're always welcome back here. And three months later, they called us back. And guess what? It was the fastest deal cycle in history. We still had all their data. We just turned them back on. It was glorious, right? The sales rep gotcha. that I gave that lead to right? <laughs> so, the uh, layup. <laughs> exactly. So you never know how it'll turn out, right? Just, just, you know, do the right thing. That's, I was just going to say, but if you didn't
1: bring up a, uh, like that kind of story, I was just going to um, call Jay out for that. I think that is one of the things that he, he kind of has preached most, you know, as we work together is that like, Hey, of course we want to retain as much business as possible. But at the end of the day, like, we need to keep two things in mind. If we can forecast it and we can plan ahead for it, then that's going to be a lot better of a, a situation that we find ourselves in. And then, two, we need to make sure that we're easy to do business with, right? Like, we don't want to just allow people to out of contracts willy nilly and like, you know, let cancellations happen. But at the end of the day, like, we can't, you know, look at this from a like one lens where we're trying to keep somebody in into this when they, when they don't want to be. Um, so, yeah, those are definitely two things that um, I'll reemphasize that Jay preaches quite a bit. Uh, all right, well, we've got a couple minutes left. So, Megan, um, I've enjoyed this. I think we're going to have to come back maybe and do another one. Or, like I'm telling you, if you all go to Megan's posts, uh, Megan Bowen on LinkedIn, she brands all these things, right? She got the top 10 customer commandments. She has top five lists. She's got sevens and threes. Like, <laughs> she is a um, content uh, master and somebody you should follow. And so, there's a ton more that I think we could do this with and kind of break stuff down and bring experiences to the table. But, Megan, I've enjoyed this. Uh, if people want to find more about you and what you all are doing, like where's the best place to go, uh, you know, be, be shameless and, and plug uh, where you want everybody to, uh, to go for their action.
0: All right. Um, well, yes, the only social network I am on is LinkedIn. So you can find me there. I try to post content regularly that's uh, helpful, tactical on customer success, sales, marketing, leadership, and personal development. So I kind of mix my content up a bit. Um, I have my own podcast that I launched last November, the Unwritten Playbook. We just uh wrapped our 40th episode, and I'm taking a couple month hiatus to reboot uh season two with a new format. So we'll be releasing season two later this year. Um I uh check out refinelabs.com. Uh me and Chris Walker are building um the new way to do B2B marketing. Um, and we'd be happy to talk to anybody interested in learning more. Um, and then Chris and I um, host Demand Gen Live every Tuesday night, um, and it's published to the State of Demand Gen podcast, top twenty-five marketing podcast in the U.S. So check that one out too. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so those are all my details. <laughs> Shameless plugging completed.
1: <laughs> I can I can definitely vouch to. I've been to the Tuesday sessions. Those are fun. Um, you know, once once you all get into uh, into the groove, you know, you guys hit on questions and you try and make sure. Uh, you're leaving the audience with something that's not a, not your normal standard take. You know, it's not just the, Hey, come, we'll tell you what you already know. So I've enjoyed those, but
2: uh, Megan, thanks for doing this. I'm excited.
0: Thanks for having me. Great conversation. Good to see you, Megan.
2: Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the gain, grow, retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.